President Trump defies California senators with Ninth Circuit judge nominations. There's a plan on the 2020 ballot to increase property tax for California's businesses, and CalPERS has a new president. That's what's coming up on this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. What up, guys? Good evening. Hello. Good evening yet again. We are back. Another week. We got some good stuff to talk about today. Agreed. Elections right around the corner. Man. It's coming up. I'm Go curious time. to see what happens with the Senate race here in California. Not that I like any of them, but right. you have the party endorsing somebody who didn't win the primary. And so I'm curious to see how the mafia's game plan plays out here. Not to mention all of the uh, dynamics that occur in, in that race because of all the Kavanaugh stuff. Right? Well, yeah, I'd like to see how many, how many vote down ticket, as it were, yeah. according to their lords and masters. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm curious to see the rest of the country, too, how that sweeps through after, you know, if we do have a red wave and how the Kavanaugh debacle plays out. Well, you've been hearing it a lot, right? They know, oh, well, the, we, we don't know if the blue wave is going to be, which is speech on their end going. Mm. That's right. Mr. Millionaires it's, and billionaires kind of right. it's fizzled. Up. It's fizzled a lot and it's pretty bad. So here we go. Take us to the we ready? first one. All right. So this is a little dated, but that's just the way it's going to be. And this comes from the Sacramento Bee. Trump defies California senators with Ninth Circuit judge nominations. After months of negotiating and delays, the White House is moving to fill California's three vacancies on the influential Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals over the strenuous objections of state two Democrat senators. Mm -hmm. Uh, while White House officials have been negotiating with Dianne Feinstein and Kamala Harris, both of whom sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, if we remember, earlier in the year about filling those other federal court vacancies in the state. But the dialogue collapsed this past summer, say Senate aides. And <laughs> here I, we are. Can I read? The, uh, this, this is rich. Can I read the quote from... Kamala Harris's communications director about all this. I'd love to hear it. This is, this is the best quote. Instead of working with our office to identify consensus nominees for the ninth circuit, the white house continues to try to pack the courts with partisan judges who will blindly support the president's agenda instead of acting as an independent check on this administration says Lily Adams. Kamala Harris's communications director. Because Democrats uh, right. want a middle-of-the-road judge. Did I miss something between 2008 and 2016? Right. Well, we just went through the Kavanaugh hearings. Right. And we saw what they were talking about because you know they were going to put a moderate you know, uh-huh. justice in there. Like Kagan, right. like Kagan and Sotomayor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like moderate like that. But let's, let's talk like reality. And these seats have been vacant for a very long time. And we're talking years, mm. two to be in fact. And the reason why they're taking so long is because the Democrats are still <clears throat> resisting 
the Trump administration. Hashtag resist. Hashtag resist. And what they have invoked is the 36-hour rule. So every single time that a nominee comes up to the floor, they're invoking a 36-hour rule, which they will have open debate for 36 hours. So you translate that to all the appointments. Now, they've circumvented the more important ones that deal with security and things like that and some of the bigger secretaries. But... For justices and what all the other like. Oh, you could drag that out for years. You that are, and, and they have. They've done it. Here's the example. Two years. 36 hours for each. Now, 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 keep in mind that we're talking about bringing, what, about eight, ju- eight senators per whatever appointment that you're talking about, judiciary and security and what have you. There's different justices. There's different appointments. So 36 hours for this one, 36 hours for that one, and you got to schedule the time and make sure that they have adequate time. Now, most of the time, they're not talking at all. It's just an empty just room. Filibustering. Well, yeah, no, it, they have the hours, so they're using them. They just started the clock. Uh-huh. They started the clock, and they wait. And, you know, maybe in the beginning, the first day, they're actually dealing with something. Now, that's not the case with every other president in the history of our country. You know, they got the opportunity to appoint. They got a fair shot. And in some cases, there was no debate at all. It was just rubber stamped, depending on who it was. Um, Well, then they turn it around. They say, oh, look how ineffective Trump has been. He hasn't, he's left 200, 300 vacancies on the court. He he has done that. Right. Single handedly. Yeah. What a bunch of baloney. Yeah. It's all, well, I think what's funny when you saw during the Kavanaugh hearings, you got, Democrats saying we're going to stop him at all costs, like quote unquote, and then they don't understand why people are looking at them like they're just filibustering. Right. Um, Because stopping someone at all costs is your mandate for vetting Supreme Court justices. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I got a good friend and I was hoping to get him to be, you know, on this show, but his name is Mike Stoker. Oh, yeah. And he was supposed to be on the labor board because that's actually his profession. He's a labor lawyer. And they postponed his appointment. So Trump, what he did was he went, okay, so you're not going to let me have this guy for, I don't know, 18 months. Well, I'm going to stick him on, <laughs> I'm going to stick him on the EPA board right. in your local area. Right. And that pissed off everybody. Nice. Pissed off everybody. It's the strategy. He didn't want to lose Mike. Mike's a good guy for labor. He knows what he's doing. Do you know if this has happened the other way around? It's a good question. Uh, so, I mean, Republican controlled. Uh, no, sorry. Got everything controlled no. by Republican right now, but no, it's never happened like that. It's always been a gentleman's agreement. I don't. You remember- don't do this. Yeah, I think you would totally have heard about this between 2010 and 2016. Right when when especially when the Republicans controlled Congress and it was Obama in the presidency, right. I don't remember hearing about this at all. And you would have. Do you think judges should have term limits? I'm an advocate for that. I am. I think the Supreme Court should only have twenty yeah. years. Yeah, I, twenty. It's years. it's a round number. Yeah, I think I think as time goes on, whenever the topic of term limits comes up for me, it's now coming down to if I don't know, I'm at default to term limits. Um, I, part of that is driven purely by Congress for me. 
Right. You know, <laughs> to go back to the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, you're seeing, well, uh, what's the, uh, Orrin Hatch. The guy was, granted, Republican, okay, great, but he, he was on the Thomas hearings too. Right. I mean, and you're like, yeah. how long are these people here? Right. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're seeing Biden at the top. Come on. Yeah. What is going on? Well, Feinstein's been in office since what? 92. Oh yeah. Jeez. How many has she gone through? Oh, granny Feinstein. Right. Uh, I think they said it was her fifth. Yeah. I mean that. Wow. No, it had to be more. That's crazy. It had to be more. It's funny because during the Kavanaugh thing, some liberal friends of mine, especially those that are in law, all of a sudden want term limits on of course. Supreme Court. Of course. Now, right? I have to. And you don't hear any of that. It's just like when every time someone loses the popular vote or wins the election, you hear about, we got to get rid of the Electoral College. Right? So I feel like a lot of these institutions that we have kind of fair weather depending on... Well, that's the NPC they, yeah. uh, <laughs> right. automatic response. Yeah. They, they don't have a core. Right. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, they, they don't have a core framework set of rules. Well, they just want to move the goalposts Correct. every time it That's doesn't a, fit yeah. there. By the way, has there narrative. been um, any, any updates on where uh, Christine Blasey Ford is? Anybody? She's no, still she, in hiding. <laughs> witness protection. She, she took all that uh, GoFundMe money, and she's uh, doing well. But I mean, well. but even the case, Man. you know, I mean, if this really happened, over a million dollars in GoFundMe money raised. That's that like is. A, I don't even know. <laughs> you, there we go. You remember? Um, I don't even know where that went. You remember when Trump won the presidency to begin with, <laughs> and uh, Jill Stein came out and said, "I want a recount." Yes. Oh, I do. She raised like eleven million dollars. Well, the Green Party kept that. They didn't bother doing the class. <laughs> of course. Do. Why? Why not? Yeah. If people are dumb enough to give you money, agreed. God, stay <laughs> off GoFundMe. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> There's very unless it's like you know a family or a friend they're raising money for oh. medical bills you know them personally but who just blindly gives to strangers on GoFundMe I can't figure that out for the life of me yeah I think that's for a lot of people that's their uh, charity checkbox <laughs> that they get like a ton of mileage out of by giving a fiver you oh, know well, you, you can immediately post that to social media oh, there yeah. you go <laughs> hey there you go it's uh, forwardable right yeah. there you go. Um, the nominees for the appeals court. Okay. So we got litigator Daniel Collins and Kenneth Lee and assistant U.S. Secretary, uh, State's attorney Patrick uh, Butenberry, who are based all based in Southern California. Good people. Good people. Prominent members of the conservative Federalist Society. Oh, see, now there's the problem. Now we've gotten to the problem. So we can't have that, apparently. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh-uh. that's not that's we're we are unable to find a consensus. With anybody who's from the Federalist Society. What's interesting, and I feel like a lot of listeners would probably agree with me on this, judges are the one part of the ballot that nobody knows anybody, nothing about. Right. Yet we're supposed to vote on it all. Totally. Right. Totally. So that's like the, we get all caught up and, and drawn into the SCOTUS stuff, but then you end up with like 12 judges you're supposed to vote on when you go, you know, to vote and... You're like, well, I don't know who this guy is. I've written right. people in before. I'll be honest. <laughs> like, I've written in dead people. I don't vote for a lot of them because yeah. I don't know who they are. We're writing in Daffy Duck, are we? <laughs> right. No, I've written in Robert Bork. Like, 
guy's guy's gone, but like I'd rather have his writings dictate <laughs> right. like what should be done than someone right. living, you know? Like put this guy's ballot have, in the trash can. I have <laughs> chosen algorithm A27. <laughs> right. Exactly. Pretty funny. Should we move on to the next one or we're going to beat this one down? It's been said. It's been said. So the second one is a plan that would increase property tax bills for California businesses qualifies for the 2020 ballot. So they're already uh, on top of this. This is the... Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one got me a little fired up. All right. From, yeah. from the LA Times, uh, Californians could face a major decision in two years from now about whether to increase property taxes for businesses after a ballot initiative qualified for the November 2020 ballot on Monday. Oh, I guess last week. The initiative would tax commercials and industrial properties at their market values, resulting in higher tax bills Currently, all properties are tax-based on a value tied to when they were purchased, a system put in place under Proposition 13. The initiative would leave uh, leave those tax restrictions in place for homeowners, so a split role. See, the, and the, this is where we've talked about this a little bit before. That part's untouchable, I feel, and they know that that would never get passed. Once again, we're sticking it to businesses. Exactly. Why would anybody want to stay here? I don't... Well, 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 do we need to? I mean, I, I got. I feel like I, I got to repeat the phrase again. Businesses don't pay taxes. It's not a magic entity from which money flows. You, the consumer, will ultimately bear the tax that the business incurs. If you think it happens any other way, you're crazy. Break that down a little more. So. If you impose a 50... Okay, take, take a business that sells widgets, right? And all of a sudden, California says, aha, you, Mr. Widget Maker, are... Widgets Incorporated. That's right. Widgets, Inc. Widgets, Inc., you are selling a lot of widgets. And you're making a good, you know, 8 10% average corporate net profit, 8%. Okay. Let's say. But you're selling a billion dollars worth of widgets, right? We're going to start taxing you at instead of 20% at 40%. If you think that the widget maker is just going to go, well, that stinks. I'm paying an extra 20% in taxes now. So I guess there went my profit. That's just going to go down. <laughs> You're crazy. Uh, rationally so, the widget maker is going to say, well, I've got new costs in the form of taxes coming in. Time to raise prices. And that's exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, and ultimately, they have to make a decision on whether they can continue doing business in that well, area. That, that's true. I was in my example. Right. I'm keeping yeah. everything else the same. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything else. They've got that option for sure. It, right. And so I think that's the part people miss out on. And it, God, you guys are going to have to help me through this. Months ago, some episodes back, I think we were talking about minimum wage in the Burger King commercial. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, they were doing net neutrality. Burger they were doing King. net neutrality Burger King, yeah. but they totally neglected the fact that you could go across the street to McDonald's. Bingo. Right, which blew the whole theory up. Correct. Same thing here. You can keep taxing people, but at a certain point, why would they stay? They'll just leave. It's not like... Uh, 
everybody in the state now will pay this extra tax and we'll have a bajillion dollars and we will ignore the fact that people can just pick up and leave. And now, more than ever, you think California get this because we got the Silicon Valley. Dance. You can telecommute anywhere in this country. You can set up shop in one state. Delaware. In Delaware. And completely do all your business from California in your living room on a computer. Right? And I, I don't know why we continue to shoot ourselves in the foot at a time when everybody is leaving the state in droves. Even even homeowners. I was talking to some friends uh, I met. I was out of state for a couple of weeks. Met some new people from different states. One guy was from Idaho. He talked about the amount of Californians that are oh yeah flooding into his town and now starting to dictate their laws. And he's like, "Leave my conservative little enclave here alone." Californians coming in talking about we need more armed security guards at schools because do you know what's out there? And he lives in a nice little manufactured, you know. Uh, neighborhood, mm-hmm. cookie mm-hmm. cutter, McMansion, no crime, mm-hmm. and all these Californians are worried about you know mass shootings. So if you think that businesses are just going to stay here and continue to get punched in the gut, I I don't. And so then we lose industry, and then we just keep sticking it to our to our residents because someone's got to make up the shortfall. I'd like to bring up to the attention of everybody that this bill and they named it the California Schools and Local Communities Funding Act. Ooh, oh, that sounds really good. Sounds warm and cozy. <laughs> it qualified for the November 2020 uh, ballot, which strikes me as odd because we have a ballot Presid- before that. But it's going to be a presidential election. Mm-hmm. There you go. Bingo. Ring the bell. Now, it strikes me as even odder because, you know, obviously we're two years away from it. Sure. Okay. But we do have a statewide a ballot that's going to happen in the primaries. I don't know why I didn't qualify for that particular one it's a since good, we're going through the motions. It's a smart move. I got to give it to Sometimes, him. Bobby, you impress me with your degree of critical thinking <laughs> and investigation. That's a great point, though. It is. Because you want to get as many people to vote as possible. They're probably banking on the fact because they live in a delusion that people hate Trump. Well, and in so this all, state, they're, right, they're, that's so all the leftists are going to turn out suddenly to vote for the Democrat candidate yeah, and they'll get all their Democrat totally. stuff passed. Totally. Well, it, I told you the name of the bill. Okay. Warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. California schools and local communities funding act. Okay. That's <laughs> how, fun. How it's a total property tax act. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's like it's well, like hot chocolate and you know candy canes. Okay, so it's 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 our uh, Padilla. Padilla is the responsible for naming Mr. Alex these Padilla. Oh, Alex Padilla. Oh my re- goodness! So he's our attorney general, and he's the one who decides. No, what Secretary the, of State, right? I'm sorry, Secretary of State. Yeah, he's, he's somebody who has too much power. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one who decides what the name is going to be. And I don't know if you remember in your mailbox, you may have received a notification from the Secretary of State saying, oh, I'm sorry that we named Prop 6 the way we named it because it's confusing <laughs> and odd. Yeah, that one that one has got people super confused. Remember, remember the same thing happened with the plastic bag ban? It's like... If you vote yes, you're actually voting no for a yes that actually is a no. I mean, you're like, right. I have no clue what's right. going on yeah. here. 
Yeah, they do that all the time. I, th- I feel like all that stuff needs to be completely transparent and broken down like you're talking to five-year-olds. Right. I mean, just, yes, you want this. No, you don't. I think everything should be maybe in the affirmative. Like, yes, I want this. Yes, I want this. Yes, I want this. Or, right. No, I don't. Right. Not a no vote means you do want it. <laughs> right. Right. I, it's You should need to break out Ballotopia to break everything down or rely on a Facebook advertising campaign to say, oh, wait a minute. They're trying to trick you on the way to vote here. Yeah. Well, here are some of the backers of this bill, and I know you're interested in it. Always. They include the good government groups. That's what they name themselves. Like the League of Women Voters. Okay. Social justice groups like the Alliance for California for Community Empowerment. Mm. What's yeah. that even mean? I, I already know where this is going. <laughs> uh, they also have the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Oh, his wife. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Zuckerberg! Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's in there. The, the California of, of Facebook fame? That one? Yeah. That guy. His wife's last name is Chan. Yeah, right? that's right. Uh, she had to be in there. Uh, the California Teachers Association. And don't forget uh, good old Caltrans. Oh, of course. How do, why is Caltrans in there? Why not? They're union. <laughs> well, because they can use them to stop traffic to hand out pamphlets. So It works for them down there. <laughs> yeah. So they're estimating that by altering Proposition 13 that it would provide $11.5 billion annually for the state and local governments with what? about four and a half billion going to schools. So here's say. the interesting thing about it. You kind of talk about this. If you've ever been part of a labor group and you have a contract, you want to be careful what you open and when you open because you make the rest of it open for negotiation, right? So like if you yeah, like, what, yeah, what do you mean? So you have a contract that's made up of different parts that you've agreed on, right? Whether it's like pay scale stuff or benefits or whatever. Well, when you go in to say negotiate a new one, sometimes you only want to open up certain parts of the contract because you don't want to open a Pandora's box of, okay, we'll give you that, John, but we're going to take away this. I see. Or during a contract when it's, when it's installed and in place, let's say you want to change something about it, but when you open it up, you give the employer a chance to go over other parts of it that you don't really want to talk about, right? Sure, sure. I feel like Pan, or, uh, Pandora. I feel like Prop 13 becomes that Pandora's box, right? Right now, it's just, it's has, as it's been since 1978. And people, yeah. I almost think it as foundational. People have built and done strategy on top of it based on what it is. Absolutely. Right. And I think as long as you don't touch it, you have the case for, look, this is how it's been. It's how it's always been. You're you have that we're going to pull the rug out are, from underneath them. All right. But it, as soon as you start opening it and changing it, then it's like, well, you set precedent by opening it before and altering it. So why don't we break back into it and alter it for this too and for that and for this. I think Prop 13 has survived because I've always said I'm surprised it hasn't been raided yet because of all the money issues. But now you're starting to see little cracks in its foundation of people trying to make a money grab at it. But under the auspice of let's just go after the rich because corporate is the rich. Right. Well, it's valuation. I told you how much they're expecting from this, but that's because we're going to flip a switch and it's going to be worth that much money. That's the okay. question. Now, John and I, were, we're driving up here together. We're carpooling because we're greenies. 
and I was talking to him about a piece of property I was interested in. And I said, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't matter what the valuation is right now because interest rates are rising. Mm-hmm. So it really, what really matters is the monthly rate in which I have to pay. And a lot of properties out there are just sitting out there not being sold because interest rates are rising and thus property values are coming down. Right. Because they're being reassessed at a new value of what people can actually afford. So unfortunately, you mean like, like market interactions. <laughs> I know I, I do that a lot. Wow. I do that a lot. I, I quote the constitution and all these things. I'm just a sucker for these kind of things. Did you see the quote at the very end of that article? No, tell me. Gavin Newsom recently oh. told the times he would consider <laughs> charging businesses higher property taxes than homes. So you already know where Newsom's head's at. I know. Surprise, surprise. But it kind of gives you the mindset that he's just willing to stick it to business yeah. in general. So not just 1%. We're, we're not only just going to get rid of the assessment value of when you purchase it, but now we're going to change the property tax for specifically commercial and industrial. You're, you're, you're penalized for making money in this state. Oh, yeah. We talked about it in the last episode about uh, the carpool lane stuff. Yeah. If you have an electric vehicle or a hybrid, you qualify to use the carpool lane unless you make 150 grand. Then you don't get any of that. Like, you, it's okay to segregate people based on what they make, but not if you want to put them in any other categories. And even though you probably paid for more of that lane, given that you make that much money than anybody else. Right. But we'll set that aside. Well, we're told that. That gender's not binary. It's not. But we do that with wages. You either make a lot or you don't make a lot, and you either get certain things or you don't get certain things. Like we've determined that 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 is a that is a line that we're allowed to discriminate with. Is if you it's make the too post. much, it's, it's the moving of the goalposts. And right. you can see how well it's been working in San Francisco. Well, in California, one hundred fifty grand is not a lot of money. No, not anymore. I, I, I know in a lot of parts of the country that is a lot of money, yeah. and and you sound kind of you know elitist saying that, no. but you can't buy a whole lot in the state with 150k a year after taxes and regulations. And if you're making that as a business owner, you're not making a lot of money, right? Like right. that that 150 is a lot bigger working for an employer than it is if that was the proceeds from your company. But yeah, because I think what a lot of people. Um, well, not in this state. They don't miss this fact, but we are in a state where it's not just this property tax, like we've talked about on the show before. Oh, yeah. It's uh, all the other FICA that comes with your pay stub. And in this state, we have income tax. We have a high sales tax. Yep. It would, Almost 10% right, in L.A. Right. Sales tax. So 10% there. Highest bracket in California is 13% for income tax. What, what again, is the proposed... Is it basically going to be the same percentage, but they will revalue the property at, annually? At f- yes. At first, right now, they're just going to mark to open market. the yeah open yeah. the floodgate yeah yeah reassess right property values and yeah. then really stick it to people. Oh, well, but that percentage is it's going to change. And it's going to change in yeah. totally because you've months. already opened Pandora's box and Bingo. shown that you'll tweak Prop Thirteen. There's no way that they're going to write this so that the percentage stays the same. Of course not. There's there's absolutely no way. Of course not. I, w- I wonder what will happen. And I, I think we know what's going to happen. Well, and, and like most of these regs, they only affect small business. 
Big businesses can just pick up and move itself to a different state. Amazon can just say, you know what, we're going to move all these warehouses to Nevada. But yeah. your mom and pop, like my family owns a trucking company, their warehouse is where it is. It's in Fontana, right? And yeah. They don't have the means or the will to just pick up the whole business and move it out of state. Right. You know, so they get the, they get hit way harder than say the Amazons where you think that all the, all the money is going to come from. We are, to use like an, uh, the moat analogy, we are, they for a long time now have relied on the moat that exists between other states and the beautiful weather, um, geography, et cetera, of the state. It's the only thing that keeps people Exactly. Here. All of these sorts of things are just continuing to build that bridge to cross the moat. And I, right. I don't know when we're obviously the dim, the statistics are suggesting. I think we talked about this a few weeks back. The statistics are suggesting you got a, a net hundred, two hundred thousand leaving the state every year now. Oh, I believe it. That that's oh, this sorts of stuff is only going to push that into uh, six, seven digits. You know, oh, it's totally. going to have to. Next one. Let's do it. All right. And Louie, I think this is going to be your favorite here. Calpers board president is ousted in election, losing to Corona police officer. I, you know, I think it's <laughs> like a, it's a real clickbaity headline. Ousted in election. Yeah. He wasn't elected. Uh, right. right. Lost the election. Lost the election. Lost the election. <laughs> they got I booted. would reserve ousted for kicked out prematurely. Even though it was an election, Gray Davis got ousted. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- I would use that word for what happened to him. He was, in, yeah, he was recalled. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he was terminated. <laughs> so from the LA Times, the president of the Board of Administrations of CalPERS, the state's largest public employee pension fund, lost her bid for re-election to a Corona police officer, the agency announced last week. After tallying votes from members cast over the last two months, Priya Mathur who has served on the board of California's Public Employees Retirement System since 2003, will be replaced by Jason Perez, a police sergeant who serves as president of the Corona Police Officers Assist- Association. Ms. Thor was selected in January as president of CalPERS board, and her defeat marks the second shakeup of the pension fund's leadership in less than a year. Perez focused on his campaign squarely on Mathor recording a record representing public agencies, workers, and on that, he argues, in the record by the pension fund of being overly focused on the political implications of its investments. So a lot of different funds are doing a little funky things, and they're trying to make it seem as though they're politically motivated. Like a lot of these um, public Institutions are coming out and go. We're not going to invest in oil, right? Like we're I have, not going to do that. Exactly. Uh, actually, Perez had a quote um, that speaks to this. I thought it was really good. Apparently, he he lashed out at Treasurer John Chang um, over the over one of these policies um, because Chang brought forward a request to divest these funds from gun manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Stocks. Yeah, that's a. And Perez said. Uh, 
quote, this is nothing more than a political ploy. It has nothing to do with CalPERS and it's, and this is critical, and it's fiduciary responsibility to invest and maximize returns. Absolutely. And that's the problem here, right? Is you get, I, I, I got the heartstrings, the politics, et cetera. CalPERS and the people who manage the monies in CalPERS have a fiduciary responsibility to the participants of CalPERS. And frankly, in an indirect way, maybe more direct than ever now, but in an indirect way, the taxpayers of California. Doing something to purposefully remove exposure to potentially returning, maybe even greater than average returning stocks, bonds, what have you, you are skipping out on your fiduciary responsibility. And we're not talking about investing in like child slave labor either. Uh, right. Right. We're talking about what investing in Glock or Remington or right. whatever. Right. Uh, mind you, a big part of PERS are police officers. Right. Yeah. So, Don't, they use guns, right? Uh, well, they're allowed well, to as of right now. I'm going to interject right there. Okay. Because those stocks are not as soaring as they were when they had the world's greatest salesman in Barack Obama. That's true. Those, yeah. uh, those stocks were on fire. Oh. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they were doing rather well back then and taking a little off the table at this moment in time. Eh, I get it. Eh, a little bit. It's, it's a political statement. Oh, it totally is. It's like when people say boycott in and out. Come on. It's a hamburger. Are like, you still buying from Nike? <laughs> no, I, I won't buy Nikes, though. <laughs> I will boycott there. I, the, the, the difference, though, is I don't have a fiduciary responsibility to anything with Nike. Exactly. Right. So I, I am vested into PERS. I, I have PERS retirement, right? Yeah, and yeah. you better be getting me the best return possible, especially right. these times when it's right. threatening to go insolvent. So for me, uh, you better invest in whatever is legally able to be invested in. Like I, the market, mm, you don't get to have morals in this case, unless you're going to allow me to make my own investment decisions right. with my pension. That's right. Right. Because you, if you go insolvent because you didn't want to invest in guns or, or oil, and those are what's booming, that's not part of your mandate as the yeah. investment manager of the fund. You don't get to have a compass. You, might, you, 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 you likely have one personally, and you may want you something get to, to have be true, one, but you, you don't. That's right. And you don't get to impose your compass on my money. Correct. Right. I, I just, uh, for listeners, think about your own personal investments. If you had a financial advisor who was investing based on their moral compass and it wasn't getting you the best return possible, then they're, 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 they're breaching their, their yeah. fiduciary responsibility to your investments. And as we talk about all the time in that world, you can fire your financial advisor and move on to the one down the street. Right. You don't get to do that. Here. Correct. Your money is in CalPERS. Absolutely. Beginning, and, end, done. Right. The second you take responsibility for somebody else's wealth management, then you don't get to impose your political or moral will on them. <laughs> right. Right. Well, Louis, I know that you didn't make any money and we're about to go insolvent, but damn, we're, you're going to feel good about it. <laughs> right. No, right. I don't accept that at all. <laughs> right. But, because I don't have a, I don't have the option to opt out of PERS. Exactly, that's right? a critical part. The fact that the uh, who is Chan the treasurer? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. The fact that he would even have 
the gall to I, say it publicly as I like, know. hey guys, I got a great suggestion. It's it's <laughs> mind blowing. I mean, it blows me away. But it blows me. It, it doesn't blow me away because that's the world in which these people live. Correct. We've talked about it before. As long as I'm living in the righteous moral high ground, I can't fail. I actually think if you talk to him or most of the people that serve on this board and agree with his sentiment about not investing in gun stocks, I think to their core, they think they are beyond filling, fulfilling their mandate. As the as an investment manager oh, yeah. of these funds, oh. well, and and it makes you wonder how long has this kind of investing strategy been implemented, and is that why the fund gets like two percent when it needs like ten percent? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> well, funny. You, here's here's an interesting. Place and, where and they put you, their money. I couldn't read this whole thing because yeah. I reached my free article limit. On oh, the time <laughs> <laughs> I only got to read the the first portion of it. Nice. Well, apparently. According to Bloomberg News, CalPERS has $2 million worth of bonds from the Russian government. So they were <laughs> a little pissed off that they're borrowing or buying bonds from the Russian government. So that was another political stand right Classic. there. Classic. What were you going to say, John? So, and th- th- this goes back down to, you know, we, we mentioned him earlier, good old Gray, Gray Davis, with his um, pension deal that he struck that right. was part of well, not directly, but it didn't help in him getting recalled. Um, also, the same guy who said in, an, in a somewhat now famous interview about a year ago, uh, yeah, as, as I look back on it, if I had to do it over again, I would I would not have done that deal. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, right. awesome. Awesome. So out of that deal, right, was the requirement to get eight and a quarter percent per year. That's the famous right. projected annualized return requirement from the fund. I understand that the financial crisis occurred during this period. However, I found as of June 30th, 2017, I found the 10-year annualized rate of return for the fund was 4.39. That's a problem. Basically, all of these sorts of things, and this is why all of these discussions about you did this and you aren't being a fiduciary and you're fired and we're going to reelect it. It's rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. When you're underperforming by that amount because you required eight and a quarter and you got 4.4, you better have everybody contributing like their whole paycheck. Right. Or, or you're going to have a problem. Now, uh, let me ask you something. Cause I was, yeah, I was going to oh. pile on that with the stat of the day. Oh, oh give us the stat of the, the day. The stat of the day oh. is there are 254 local tax increases across the November ballot. That's city to city to county to county. Okay. The whole caboodle. We're talking sales taxes, parcel taxes, utility taxes, hotel taxes. That you are, you are suggesting are all under the umbrella of being imposed in order to help shore up pensions? You get the blue ribbon, sir. Classic. Here's my question. That's a good start of the day, though. I'll give you a ding. Nice. I like that. Now, uh, in terms of finances, I defer to you. You know stuff. Nothing you say constitutes financial advice, anything like that. For sure. But you have experience in the sector. If you were, and just to put it in perspective for listeners, they're getting a 4.4%. 4. 4. 4. 4. 4.3, 4.4. Yeah. Return on investment. Yeah. If... You were invested, if 
if the normal person was invested yeah. with a financial advisor, yeah. and over the last ten years they're getting a four point four percent return, would you say it's time to start looking for somebody, or would you be upset with that if you were in a if you were trying to be in a moderately aggressive kind of because right now they're no, trying no, to dig fair, out of the hole totally, right? and it's a totally fair question, and and it's also why I added the caveat of the oh eight oh nine crisis happened during that period. Like I'm just and trying to put it in perspective I, that totally. is for good. It I would ha- I would honestly it was have eight too lofty. That's the thing. So exactly, I would have to say, gut is that four. Let's say call it four and a half. Four and a half over that period, probably not too shabby. But the problem is what was required, projected, promised, and the sustainability of that. To be honest, to say after like net, net, net return to the fund, especially a fund that probably on average operates on the more conservative side, given it's right. a pension fund. Eight and a quarter is, that was, that was probably, which obviously we found to be true. That was part of the gray, the gray Davis. Well, if we project this and, oh, sweet, that'll work, then that way people won't have to contribute. That was the problem number. Right. Was the eight and a quarter. So we talk about like, a decent return on the long game a lot of times is 10%, right? Isn't that kind of market average? But, but you just said, true, but you just said it right there. It's market average. And a fund like this is not assuming that they are going to be fully invested in the US, in, in, in the global equity markets only, right? Gotcha. They've, got, they've got, the minute you add bonds to the equation. $2 billion yeah. two, in Russian bonds. <laughs> right. yeah. Especially Russian bonds. Well, I got no clue. The minute you add, I mean, some other investments, let's say private equity, for example, has long-term historical return rates typically that are greater than the stock market, right? but they're also more volatile, more aggressive, et cetera. And so a fund like this, again, they're trying to target smoother returns, I'm going to assume, because they have these liabilities that are continuing along the way. Right. So their aggressiveness is going to be lower. That eight and a quarter percent doesn't necessarily reflect what the, the market real the real world at. lowered yeah. aggressiveness. Let's right. put it that way. Right. But because they negotiated this in the dot com period, all you needed was a little bit of stocks well, with a whole lot of bonds, and you could hammer it. You know that was also around the same period where Cal Purse told the employers, the cities, they didn't have to there you go. give their employer contribution for seven years. Right. And here we are. And here we are, right? And all these cities stopped planning for their contribution for their, their side of the pension. So when you and think now of, they're trying to play catch up. That's so interesting because when you think about that as its own sort of rate of return or lack thereof, you, you not only underperformed that rate of return because let's say people pulling money out of their pocket and putting it in the fund is a right. return to the fund, right? But you took that return away and then you halved a little more than half, but or I'm sorry, a little less than half, but you nearly halved the actual rate of return that you got from the investments that did go into the fund. Right. Uh, yeah, you're talking about a perfect storm that some of which was was planned or could have been planned for. People brought it up during those meetings in the late 90s, and after 10 minutes, they were shooed away and told to just shut their mouth. Right, exactly. So, I got nothing else. Take it away, John. All right. We are at that time for the James Woods Tweet of the Week. 
So this one all started because of a tweet from the famous, the lovely Ben Rhodes, which I believe was part of the, he was part of the Obama uh, administration. Right, yeah. It was a speechwriter. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, I think, I he, think was. he was a speechwriter. Right. So he says, it says something about the Republican Party, that their electoral strategy depends on intimidating and preventing as many people as possible from voting. Is that what they do? Yes, so. Okay. Voter IDs. Right. So James Wood says, gee, Ben, we have 10,000 people about to breach our border illegally. You want them voting too? The Republican Party is striving to protect the rights of American citizens in the face of democratic chicanery at the polls. Try doing it legally for once. I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to argue with the coincidental timing of the of, invasion of the <laughs> of the the group that is marching northward. It right. makes you wonder, though. Okay, if you are a conspiracy theorist and yeah. you think this is a, a manufactured thing of the Democrats, how ruthless do they get? Like that's pretty gnarly to round up. Well, the the Democrats are saying that it's, it's orchestrated like, by Republicans. You know, because it makes sense to I mean they like because of the optics of of him stopping people at the border. And no, no, no. That you can use this as a uh, campaign oh. fundraiser. You know, help uh, build that wall. I, maybe he doesn't need it. Yeah. Right. I don't think he needs something that drastic, like a bunch of Guatemalans and Hondurans marching through Mexico to the border. It's it's my personal, you know, I just opinion. don't see it. <laughs> it's my opinion that they're marching in the wrong direction. They need to be marching on their capitals. Oh, totally. Well, if of you've got that much gusto to yeah. come here, you should be look, turning on your own government. Look, we've talked about it before on the show. The the really obvious point is Mexico is a country that you in which you can seek asylum. <laughs> exactly. If that's what you're looking for, yep. Seek it in Mexico. I'm guessing that's not the real purpose here. Nope. No. But come I'm to just, America. I'm just speculating. Come to America. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, I don't, no karaoke. We're oh. gonna stop at the karaoke. And with that, another episode down in the bucket. Episode twenty-two. New episodes every Wednesday, eight in the morning. Apple iTunes and Google. Tell a friend. Thanks, everybody. Burn it down. <laughs>